0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Christmas Eve, December twenty fourth, 2017, on the basis of Luke chapter 2. At the end of a very difficult year, it was exactly what planet Earth needed. NASA's Apollo 8 mission became the first manned spacecraft to leave the Earth's orbit. In fact, they made it all the way to the moon and entered the moon's orbit, And during the course of their mission, they were able to deliver to the people on earth an image that they had never seen before, the planet on which they lived as it rose above the moon's horizon, an earth rise, as it came to be called. And then to sort of cap off that historic mission, on Christmas Eve 1968, 49 years ago tonight... The astronauts on board that spacecraft, Jim Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders, were preparing for a live television broadcast from moon's orbit down to Earth. They were told by NASA officials that it might be the largest gathering of people, the largest audience ever assembled to listen to human voices. Some estimates suggest that a billion people tuned in, one quarter of the world's population at the time. These days, an event like that would be scripted down to the very last syllable. But in 1968, the NASA officials simply said to those three astronauts, I don't know, just say something appropriate. With a billion people watching. Easier said than done, right? Well, do you know what they did? They took turns reading from Genesis chapter 1. Starting at verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All the way to verse 10, the gathered land, the, the, uh, the gathered ground, God called land, and the gathered waters, he called seas. And then those three astronauts signed off by saying, Merry Christmas. And God bless you all, all of you on the good, good earth. It was a year in which Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy had been assassinated, in which racial riots had sprung up in cities all over the nation, in which the Vietnam War had escalated at a time when more and more people wanted it just to be over. But then right at the end, Christmas Eve, sort of saved the day. Mankind ascends into the heavens, sees the beautiful planet on which he lives, is reminded of where he came from and his place in the universe, and all of this with a billion people watching all of this on Christmas Eve. It's one of those scripts that you just can't make up, a story that seems too good to be true, something that exceeds all expectations. Call me crazy, but I think as we gather here this evening, I think we could use a story sort of like that. And that's not just because we might think that 2017 has also been sort of a rough year. I'm not sure how 2017 would stack up compared to 1968. But if you're keeping score at home, we had those three hurricanes, Puerto Rico, Florida, and Texas. Those mass shootings in Las Vegas and Sutherland Springs, Texas. The testing of nuclear weapons over in North Korea. Racial tensions boiling over in Charlottesville, Virginia. And the abuse of power and the abuse of women in seemingly every corner of our society from politics to entertainment to the media. 2017 has kind of been a rough year. But even more than that, as you sit here tonight and maybe reflect back on the struggles of the past year and prepare to move past this little diversion from all of those struggles that we call the holiday season, you may be wondering to yourself, can anything save the day? Can anything turn things around? Can anything really make a difference? And call me crazy, but I think that what we need is more than just more Of the same. More than just the same old, same old. More than just the status quo, but maybe turned up a notch. Sure, 2017 was tough, but this year I'm gonna try a little bit harder, I'm gonna work a little bit smarter, I'm gonna eat healthier, I'm gonna love better, and everything will be just fine. I don't know, I think something more might be needed. The kind of script that you can't just make up. The kind of story that seems too good to be true, one that exceeds and even shatters our wildest expectations. And thankfully, that's exactly what we have in front of us tonight in these words from Luke chapter 2. For hundreds of years, God's people had been expecting, waiting for him to send the promised Messiah. This was the man who was going to change everything, who was going to turn everything around, who was going to overthrow the oppressive Roman government and their heavy system of taxation I don't know if they made up little red hats, but this is the guy who was going to make Israel great again. You heard him described as a king who would win every victory, defeat every enemy, whose rule would extend to the end of time and to the ends of the earth, a king of unbridled wealth and power and fame and glory. That's what they were waiting for. And what we have in front of us this evening is the story of how that expected king, that expected Messiah, was finally delivered. But did you notice? There is no power. In fact, it's that hated Roman government that seems to be flexing its muscles and calling the shots. Caesar Augustus issues this census so that he can know just how powerful he really is, so that he can collect more taxes from the people. And it's that census that causes Mary and Joseph to take this unexpected untimely trip down to Bethlehem the city of their origins did you notice there is no wealth involved Mary and Joseph are absolutely dirt poor when there is no room for them to stay in the inn they are forced to stay in the stable with the animals There's no midwife to help deliver the baby. No servants to build a fire to make sure that he stays warm. No fancy bassinet that they got from the gift registry at Target. Just a bed made out of straw in a feeding trough. There's no fame. No glory, no dignitaries come to visit. The only onlookers are the cattle there in the stable. The only visitors are the shepherds. Meanwhile, everyone in Bethlehem is either sound asleep or maybe even staying up partying late into the evening. If this is the story of how God's king is delivered, then it certainly is different from what we would expect. So why is the story this way? Why does the story have to be this way. Well, even though it was just as recently as 1968 that mankind was able to have this view of the planet on which he lived, God, of course, had that view already for centuries. And sure, when God created planet Earth, it was, in fact, very, very good. And even when God still looks at planet Earth, it, it at least looks pretty. But God knows the truth. God sees absolutely everything. And it's not just the mass shootings and the racial tensions, sort of the societal level problems that happen somewhere out there, far, far away, that rise to the level of God's attention. No, God God sees all of our issues as well. God sees how we become completely consumed with getting the latest and greatest thing, all the while becoming callous to the people who are hurting and in need around us. God sees how we sort of run around like chickens with our heads cut off after everything that we convince ourselves is so important, meanwhile making so little time for the one thing that is essential because it is eternal. God sees how we seem to have lost the ability to treat people as people, but instead demonize those who are different and those who disagree, all the while hiding behind the safety of our screens. God sees every ill-tempered word He sees every instance of neglect. He sees every perverted thought. You might say, Houston, we have a problem. It was barely a year after Jim Lovell and the other astronauts on Apollo 8 took turns reading Genesis 1 that that very same Jim Lovell said those very famous words, Houston, we have a problem words now made very famous by the movie that is named after that mission, Apollo 13. You've maybe seen that movie. If you've seen it before, you know that one of the most dramatic scenes in the movie is when they discover that the carbon dioxide levels in the lunar module are rising faster than they had planned, and if they don't do something, eventually the air that they are breathing is going to poison them and put them to death. And so the engineers and the physicists down on earth below are sort of scrambling. They need to figure out how can we rig up this makeshift filter using only the materials that those astronauts have on board and how can we radio up instructions that are sufficient and clear enough so that they can do the very same thing up there and their lives can be saved. It is so very easy for us to expect that if God is going to rescue us that it would sort of look like that. That the God who made the good earth that isn't quite as good as it once was can still look at us and see that maybe down here we still have all of the resources that we need at our disposal to figure this out, to turn these things around, and that God can just kind of radio down instructions so that we can make it happen. Or sadly that many people even think that's why Jesus came. That he came to show us the good that is left here, the good that is left inside of us, and to teach us and inspire us to use what we have at our disposal to make the world a better place. It's easy for us to expect that kind of rescue, that kind of salvation out of our God. And so thankfully tonight, just like in 1968, there is a message coming down out of the heavens. It is a message that wasn't originally delivered to a billion people. In fact, when it was first delivered, it was just those shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. But thankfully, that message has now reached billions of years, and in in fact, it has reached all the way to here. The angel that God sent, who didn't just say something appropriate for the night, but said exactly what we needed to hear. Today, in the town of David, a Savior, has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Did you hear it? The message is not that you can order an instruction manual with your Amazon Prime membership and it will get to your house in 48 hours with free shipping. The message is not that a motivational speaker or a life coach or a self-help guru will show up at your door and stay with you for the holidays to really help you fire up for the new year. No, the message is that a Savior has been born. That to rescue us from our enemy, the devil, to set us free from our slavery to sin, to set us free from our captivity to death, God himself came down to earth. And he came not to show us how to fight the devil, but just to do it for us. He came not to show us how to master sin, but just to do it for us. He came not to show us how to escape our enemy death, but just to do it for us. That's why every detail of this story needs to be so strange. That's why every detail of this story needs to shatter our expectations that's why God didn't make use of the existing power structures that were present in the world. It's why he didn't gather together worldly wealth. It's why he didn't make use of earthly popularity mechanisms or make the message of his son's birth go, ri- go viral so that everyone would know about it. No, every last detail needs to be the exact opposite of what we would expect because the materials for God's salvation were not sitting here on earth. Every last detail needs to shatter expectations all the way from the main character to every last facet of how that salvation is carried out. And friends, maybe the best news of that message the angel delivered are two simple words. A Savior has been born to you. Yeah, but not after the sins I've committed. No, listen, to you. Yeah, but if you knew what I did in secret, no, listen, to you. Yeah, but everywhere I turn, I see the carnage of the self-centeredness that I've displayed in my life. No, listen, to you. There is a tag on the gift that God has delivered, and that tag has not just been written, it has been engraved, etched in stone with those words. The Savior has been born to you. You got time for one more space story? You don't really have a choice, do you? <laughs> April 1961, almost eight years exactly before, Jim Lovell had said, Houston, we have a problem. It was Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin who made history by being the first man to enter outer space. As a product of communist Russia, it's no surprise that he was an atheist. And when he came back down to earth, he took the opportunity to say, now I know for sure that God doesn't exist because I went to the heavens. And I looked and I looked and I looked and he was nowhere to be found. It is natural that we would expect that to find God, we need to climb up to the heavens. That we need to clean up our lives, that we need to get our acts together, that we need to eliminate the sin from our lives, and then maybe, just maybe, we will find God. Friends, you don't need to ascend to the heavens to find your God. On Christmas, He came down to earth. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.